Okay, so we are starting a new series this month called This Is Not The End, as you can see on the title screen, because we are entering into the Easter season. And so as you go into the Easter season, uh, it's always kind of expected that you're going to talk about something with Jesus' walk to the cross and something with everything that goes on. And so I'm going to do that, but I want to try to do it in a way that, that we can get something new out of it. Because when you talk about it every year, it's important, but it becomes a story. And it's about more than that, because it's about the sacrifice. It's about everything he did for us. And it's also about the example he set of loving everyone and, and not being judgmental and not being hateful and not doing all of those things that sometimes churches get wrong and sometimes Christians get wrong. Um, and he was very clear on treating others as you'd want to be treated. He was very clear on uh, being uh, as the best that you could be, being uh, kind, being loving, being good, being all of these things. And so I'm going to, uh, oops, wrong one. I'm going to read from John 16, 19 through 33. Uh, Jesus realized they wanted to ask him about it. He's talking about the disciples here. So he said, are you asking yourselves what I meant? He had just said basically that the end is coming for him. Uh, I said in a little while, you won't see me, but a little while after that, you will see me again. I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor when her child is born. Her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and then you will rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. So the people he's talking to, one of them betrayed him completely, Judas. One of him, one of them denied him three times and said he didn't even know him. Uh, the rest of them all ran away. One of them doubted him after he came back. Like, they were imperfect people. We think of them as big deals and heroes because they eventually became... Uh, really strong faith people and really strong preachers, and they did a lot of good, but they were all imperfect, just like we are all imperfect. And so he's talking to them and saying, hey, if you ask for anything in my name, I'll give it to you. Now, some of them, and probably Judas was like, whoa, I want some more money. Like, is this really cool? And some of them were like, oh man, I would really like this, or I'd really like that. Because even in this moment, even though they'd been with him, even though they'd seen everything that he could do, and they'd listened to everything he said, even though they'd seen examples of his love and his teaching, they still kind of had this imperfect belief of about him. They, they believed what he was saying when he said, I'm going to die, I'm going to sacrifice myself. They believed that he was the Messiah. They believed that he was God's son. They believed that all of this was a plan, but they still were people and they still had been raised to think, well, the Messiah is going to take over everything and destroy Rome and really give us a kingdom on earth. And so they really struggled with this. And so they, it's one of those things where you kind of like believe somebody, but you don't really believe somebody. Like they're talking and they're saying, I'm going to do this. And you're like, yeah, I think you will. But then you're also like, ah, you probably won't. But it's not, it's kind of this weird thing where you don't not believe them, but you don't fully believe them. And so when he says, use my name and ask for anything, uh, that does not make him a genie. And I think sometimes in the church, we kind of treat it like that. Like um, we, we, I know that I, I, I struggle with depression and I struggle with anxiety and things like that. And I've been told by people in churches, not this one, uh, go and pray until you're better and then that's it. And if you don't do that, if you're not healed, if you're not recovered, then you don't have enough faith. And that's completely false. And, and, and 
sometimes we do that. We're like, well, if you pray for this and you have enough faith, then it's gonna, you're going to get it. And we kind of treat it like a, a genie. I think that most of us can probably think of someone who was healed from something or who did uh, receive an answer to prayer that they saw, but we can also think of people who weren't healed or didn't receive answers. That doesn't mean that he picks and chooses. It means that he helps us to deal with everything that we face, and he helps us to, to um, seek him and everything and show him and everything. And so when he says, ask for everything in my name, uh, he's not saying, hey, ask for more money, ask for a new baseball card, ask for a really cool sword. He's not saying any of that stuff. He is saying, when you give yourself to me, then your heart is going to be filled with me. And so you're going to ask for different things. You're going to ask for courage. You're going to ask for help. doesn't mean any of that other stuff isn't good, but it means that you're going to focus on different things. And when he talks about joy, this is one of the things that I think gets misused sometimes because joy is not happiness. Joy doesn't mean that you're going to walk around smiling all the time. It doesn't mean you're always going to be happy. Um, and I've used this before, but in Russia, there's a saying that a person who smiles all the time is either crazy or American because we put this incredible weight on smiling and we think, hey, you should smile more. Hey, you know, you should smile more. Hey, you're not happy. Just smile. And we put this weight on it when in real life, like life is hard and sometimes it's hard to smile. And sometimes you can be kind of happy and not even smile because like, who cares? Maybe that, that's just who you are. And, and so when he says joy, he's not talking about the happiness of that. He's not talking about any of that. He's talking about a sense of completion. Uh, everybody in the entire world feels incomplete at some point. And we all want more. We all want to belong. We all want to be loved. We all want something more than what we have. And he is saying that while all of that stuff may be good and all of that stuff may help in different ways, if you seek him, if you give your life to him, if you give your heart to him, if you follow him and you ask for things in his name, then that will give you a different feeling. Again, you're not going to be happy all the time. Everything's not going to be easy, but you're going to have this completion and this comfort and this confidence. Um, as I said, like I, I've been a Christian for a really long time, pretty much my whole life. I still struggle with depression and anxiety. I still will talk in front of people and I feel pretty good about it sometimes. But when I get to like two o'clock in the morning, I'm thinking about, oh, you said this and it was so stupid or, oh, you did this and it was so stupid. And I'm really tearing myself up. And then I'll go into things that I did in my past all the way back to like four years old. Like I'll think of all of these things. And again, that's not because I don't have enough faith. It's because of whatever is going on in my brain it is. And so I have to actively stop and be like, hey, help me with this. And I keep going and keep going and keep going. And he knows that the disciples are going to feel things like this. He knows they're going to feel lost. He knows they're going to be hurt. He knows they're going to be hunted. Um, and so he's telling them, joy is not about the things you have. And it's not about the people that are around you. And it's not about the, the circumstances. It's about something more. And so he's trying to prepare them. We go to the next part here. Um, I've spoken of these matters in figures of speech, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively and tell you plainly all about the Father. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into this world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. Then his disciples said, at last you are speaking plainly and not figuratively. Now we understand that you know everything, and there's no need to question you. From this we believe that you came from God. And so basically he's talking about how the fact he used a lot of parables, and he spoke figuratively a lot. He did that so that we would have to try to understand. Because somebody can get in your face and tell you literally everything that there is to know about something, like your history teacher, your science teacher, your math teacher. Pick a subject you don't like. And think about that subject. And the teacher comes to your house and starts looking at you and saying, I'm going to explain all of this. Now take away the creepy factor of them knowing where you live and coming into your living room and starting to teach you. But they like, they're looking at you and they're telling everything that they know about it. Uh, 
And so they're trying to teach you. But they're just saying it directly, and they're just reading off from the book, or they're just saying everything about the subject. They're just kind of explaining things. Again, you're not super going to grab that because you're like, what are you doing here? And you're going to have all of these questions, and it's going to be like, you can't tell me this. Uh, if somebody knows that you should do this, and they tell you do the opposite, then it's going to be tricky. Like all of this, when somebody goes direct to us like that, it can be very hard. Now, there are some people that learn like that, but most people, um, we need to kind of find it for ourselves. We need to want to learn the stuff. We need to want to understand the stuff. And so with parables and with talking figuratively like Jesus did, people had to want to, to listen. They had to want to care. But if he just stands up there and says, hey, love everybody and, and be good and do everything you can to be like me, people would have been like, well, I don't have to do what you say. Like, what are you talking about? What's that mean? But when he talks about, hey, this lost sheep, the shepherd went to go find him. And even though the other ones were all there, he didn't want to give up on that one sheep. That's him saying, hey, God loves every single one of you, regardless of where you come from, regardless of what you believe, regardless of who you are. And he won't leave you alone. And so you find that out for yourself and it matters more. And so he's telling the disciples this. He's trying to explain them because even though he said, I'm going to die, even though he said, we're coming up on, on the day that I'm going to be sacrificed. And they say, we get it. We understand. He's like, you're not going to quite get it. You have to understand this. You have to see this. Uh, one of the cool things, a couple weeks ago, I preached about Peter on Sunday morning. And before Peter denied Jesus three times, he in, in the denials, he had three separate things. He said, I don't know you. I don't know myself. And I don't know anything about this, this man. Uh, but he denied him three times, denied knowing him while Jesus is dying. And if you go back a little bit before that happened, Jesus said, you're going to do this. And Peter's like, no way, I'm never going to deny you. I'm never going to do this. But he also said, when you come back to me, after you've done this, after you've sinned, after you've messed up, when you come back, help to strengthen your brothers. And Peter at the time uh, was probably not paying attention to that. He's just thinking, I'm never going to mess up. Like, what are you talking about? But Jesus is knowing that he's going to mess up and still loves him enough to say, hey, you're going to get through this. That's what he's doing to the disciples here. He's like, you guys, you're going to mess up and you're going to run and you're going to, to, to feel lost, but you're going to be okay if you just listen to me. And so then they say, they give a church answer. There are a lot of things that we give church answers to. Um, and so that's basically something that you'd say in church because it's expected. Like, hey, what do you want to learn about? The Bible. Hey, uh, why do you go here? Because of Jesus. Like, these are not, it doesn't mean they're not true, but they're church answers. They're things that, that everybody says and everybody knows. And so the disciples were like, oh yeah, we know who you are. Like, it's not that they don't understand again, but it's that they're trying really hard to uh, put together what they think with what he is saying, what they see in front of them. And so the last part here. Jesus asked, do you finally believe? But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Uh, yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. I have told you all this, so that you may have peace on me, uh, peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. So again, there are a lot of people, a lot of Christians, a lot of church people, who would stand up there and give this speech uh, that Jesus gives and say, you're going to hurt me and you're going to run away and you're going to scatter and it's going to just tear me up and I can't believe you're going to do that. And they'd go into guilt. Uh, all of us have probably been guilted in one way or the other. And they'd go into, I can't believe you're thinking this. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you're like that. I can't believe this is what you think. I can't believe, I can't believe, I can't believe. And really throwing guilt out there to try to control them. Jesus sees them and he knows what they're going to do. He knows some of them are going to do some bad stuff. And he says, I love you right now. 
You're going to mess up. You're going to scatter. You're going to run away. But you have to forgive yourself. You have to have grace because I have grace. And he says, it's going to hurt, but I'm going to be okay because I am doing this for you. I am doing this and I've already won. Like it's already over. You can have heart. And again, in the moment, they're probably listening and like, man, that's a really cool sermon and that's really cool, Jesus. And then they're going on and be like, yeah, you know, Jesus is awesome, but I'm never going to mess up. Like I'm never, I'm never going to walk away from him. At one point or another, we're all like, well, I'm never going to mess up. You know, I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to get a bad grade. I'm never going to to not practice. I'm never going to hurt somebody. I'm never going to say something mean. I'm never going to be like my parents. I'm never going to whatever. We all say this throughout our lives. And at some point or another, we usually mess up in some ways, often the one that we're the most vocal about not doing. And in that moment, we have to really decide who we are. And there are a lot of people, uh, and Judas would be one of them, there are a lot of people who do that. And they give in, they mess up, they do something bad, and then they stop completely. They're like, well, it can never be okay again. I I can never do this. I can't believe I've done this. Peter went the other way. He saw, after he denied him, he looked in Jesus' eyes. Jesus saw him, and the rooster crowed, and he realized Jesus was right. And he ran away, and he was scared, and he was sad, and he wanted to give up. But he asked for forgiveness eventually. He was forgiven. Judas, and everybody knows Judas did a bad thing, and everybody knows Judas was a betrayer, and everybody knows Judas killed himself. Um, And everybody knows that there was a movie in which Judas actually is Dracula, but that's not factual. It's just something that I know. And everybody knows that Judas... uh, was a not great person, but I truly believe that after Judas had betrayed him, even considering the fact that he'd stolen, even considering all the stuff that he'd done, if he had said, man, this one time Jesus talked to us and said he's going to die, and he said that, that, that we should take heart and to find him and to ask for forgiveness, maybe I should go do that. And if he had done that, I truly believe he would have been forgiven, but instead he gave up. Uh, the only failure is giving up. That doesn't mean you're not going to mess up. It doesn't mean you're not going to lose sometimes. And believe me, I hate losing, but it doesn't mean that things are going to be perfect. It means that the only true failure is when you let something stop you, when you stop you, when you give up. And Jesus said, take heart, take heart, because the world may suck and the world may be difficult and you may feel scattered, which means you may feel alone. You may feel like you don't belong. You may feel like people are against you. You may feel like it's too hard to be a Christian or too hard to be a good person or too hard to do the right thing. But take heart because he's overcome the world. Because if you skip ahead to Revelation, in the end, he's all there is. Like heaven is it and the good guys win and God is in control. And I get that it's hard, especially when things are rough and especially when you're dealing with a lot and especially when you're struggling and especially when you feel alone. But if you stop yourself and you're like, hey, I know that this sucks and I know that this life is hard, but I have to remember to take heart. I have to remember to try. And then you try to help other people. Um, I've mentioned my depression a lot and I'm recently teaching a class. I talk about it all the time, but I'm teaching a class on Tuesdays uh, about helping people with mental health. And I think a lot of people, myself included for a period of time, would be like, I can't talk about this. I can't help people with this because I still struggle with it. Like, how could I possibly help somebody with this? And yet that's kind of the best way to help people. And there are a lot of people who are like, I could never help people like pray, or I could never help people uh, go to church, or I could never help people with a problem because I'm not, I'm not perfect. Like I'm not where I should be. That's kind of the best time to help people. If you ever feel like, well, I've got everything under control and I've got everything figured out and I'm the best Christian in the history of time. I'm the smartest person in the history of time. I'm never wrong. And you truly think that 
then you really shouldn't be helping people because you're putting yourself up here when really everybody's here. Like everybody, there's nobody better, nobody worse. And Jesus is saying that to the disciples. He's looking at this room of people who are imperfect and he's saying, I love you so much. You're going to mess up. Take heart. And as I said this morning, as I've said a lot, knowing that you're going to mess up can have two different effects on people. Number one, you can have the whole, like there are people who are like, man, you know what? I'm going to mess up and I'm going to screw up, so I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to YOLO and I'm going to hashtag blessed and I'm just going to live my life and I'm not going to care what other people think or do and I'm just going to do whatever I want all the time and have fun and short-term happiness and blah, blah, blah. The problem with that, among other things, is the longer you put it off, the more you're just never going to do it. And so a lot of people are like, you know what, one day I'll do this, and one day I'll be a Christian, and one day I'll be better. But you keep putting it off, and you keep putting it off, and your heart hardens. It's not that God wouldn't forgive you, but it's that you stop caring. The other way is to look at it and say, you know what, I am going to mess up, but I'm going to do my best to learn from that. And when I mess up, I'm going to do my best to show other people. And that's what Jesus is telling the disciples here. He's like, guys, you're going to mess up. And this is going to be hard because when I die, there are going to be three days before I come back in which you're going to be hunted and you're going to be scared and you're going to feel lost and you're going to feel broken. But don't give up because if you keep going, you'll realize that you can keep going and you'll realize that I'm with you. And so as we go through the Easter story, as we go through the whole deal up until the resurrection, it's not just about that. That is the most important thing in our life because he sacrificed so that we would have a chance at heaven. But his life going to that was also a sacrifice in which each day he taught us how to help other people, how to love other people, how to love ourselves, how to accept forgiveness, how to give forgiveness. And so we're going to talk about through this series. And basically we're just going to learn what it means to follow him, to be like him, and to try to be just the best we can be. And that's all I got.